fatherhood. It's how we keep our tribes and families strong. You've landed in the right place if you're ready for dad jokes, tips, and tricks on fun parenting. Also with interviews with some of the coolest dad entrepreneurs we could track down and have them share their strategies to tackling it all in business and life on The Dad Next Door. And now, your host, Mr. Dad Jokes himself, (laughs) Jason Centeno. How did you become an entrepreneur? I think it all started with duct tape. I decided to start a club at the university where I went to school in Utah, and we called it the Duct Tape Club. And I convinced five of my friends from choir. I, I sang a cappella choir in college. That's how I paid for some of my schooling. Was I, I got a scholarship for that. But I convinced all these choir dudes to go and build this club with me. And all we did was make stuff with duct tape. And this was back in the day when making like prom dresses and outfits and stuff out of duct tape was really cool. This was like the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. You can make wallets out of that and get and make money with that. I remember that phase. And so we were kind of riding the tail end of that. There was supposed to be like, you're supposed to do real things as a club on top of any fun things you do. So we, we had to go out and do like a, a political rally where we worked with the local Republican caucus to do some meeting. And that's how we qualified to be a club. But all we really did was make stuff out of duct tape. So it was, it was aptly named the duct tape club. But that was my first experience gathering a group of people to execute on an idea that I'd had off top of my head. I put no real thought into it, no planning. I, there's this huge list of rules that you had to follow. And I just like sped through it and scrounged up the money. You mean they, they had rules for the club that you could, things you could do and not do to exactly. make money like, or just like, Hey, don't punch each other in the face. Like what were the rules? 40 different rules you had to follow. If you were a club on campus, discriminate against anybody, stuff like that. You couldn't, hold certain types of rallies. You had to use certain areas of the school. It's a lot like starting an LLC from scratch. You have to check all the boxes, dot all the I's, cross all the T's, pay the fees. Did you have to pay the school a piece of the action too or what? You do. Ah, yeah, that was a good example. So it was a very good experience paying those taxes. As a club president, uh, they invited me to this big president's meeting up the canyon up by Sundance, the ski area here in Utah. And the the keynote speaker, she mentioned there three clubs that she was really fascinated by just because of their name. And mine happened to be one of them. She had me stand up and she asked me what our club did. And I just said, we make stuff out of duct tape. I don't think she was that impressed by it, but she gave me an internship later on that really taught me the the value of networking. I never would have met any of those people, never would have got that job, that first foot in the door of digital marketing, which is where I, I started my first company in that space. And she ran a digital marketing firm and she hired me as an intern. And that's how I got my first experience. I, I hadn't even graduated college at the time, but she an intern. And so I really learned the value of just getting hands-on experience, doing what I wanted to do in life, however I possibly could. I was willing to work for free, but she paid me because I just happened to be this weird duct tape club president guy. That's how it all started was from duct tape. Did she happen to know about your family when she knew you were the duct tape guy? Like I, I know the answer to this, but like does entrepreneurship run in your family and what did your dad do? 
No, entrepreneurship does not run in my family. Now, now, <laughs> now, now, I don't know. It depends on how you look at that, but go ahead. Well, if you can, if you would label a clown as an entrepreneur, if he shows up at parties and get paid sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he did do that after he, he retired from the circus. My dad put on clown shows at schools and, and birthday parties. And that's when he roped me into doing those shows with him. I was only 12 years old and he had me dressing up in clown costumes and face paint. I had a big red nose that I had to wear. And thankfully nobody could see my real face because I was performing at these places where I knew some of the kids at these parties because we were all the same age. And it, I was I was so embarrassed to go and do that stuff. You ever run into like a girl that you liked and you were like, Next thing you know, you're over here, doo, 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 doo. like any of that, or did you have to go through that? It, it seemed like it happened every single time, actually. <laughs> uh, that's one thing, man. My father used to make me do stuff like that. That was kind of embarrassing, but you know, um, it does build character and it does teach you how to not care about other people's. At some point, you just got to stop caring about what other people think because you got a job to do. And if you thought about that too much, you would just never get it done. But yeah, that. I, I, there was echoes of that in my life too. Uh, I'll say that. Yeah, dude. I, I have no shame anymore. I literally, if I have to do anything to protect my family and make sure that we have income, as long as it's legal, I will do it. If I have to go knock on a thousand people's doors every day and tell them that, you know, Joe Biden's my grandpa or whatever the case may be, I will do that because I had so many experiences as a youth just busting down my own hesitancies and my own self-consciousness. I don't even have much of that anymore. And my, my wife kind of gets mad at me sometimes because I will just go and just walk into somebody's home if I need something. I don't have a whole lot of barriers anymore in my, in my mental thinking. Sometimes, um, you know how people will come in your house sometimes and you'll be like, some people, they want to, they don't want to touch anything. They, you know, they, they don't know what to do. They're like, can I do this? Can I do that? And then there's other people that are like, they just go right in your refrigerator and do stuff like that. Yeah, I ask first, but I know a lot of people, friends of mine, that, you know, that alpha personality, that entrepreneur, they don't think about that. They're just like, uh, yeah, right there. Go, just go and they go and do whatever. And my wife don't like that at all. So I, I feel you on that. Straight out of college, right? What was your what was your major? Communications. Did you ever have a real nine to five? Or I you did. Straight into digital media and, and entrepreneurship. Okay. Yeah, my first nine to five right out of college was at SEO.com, which is based here in Utah still. But back then, uh, this was back in like 2007, I was their third employee and we were all just kind of teaching ourselves how to do it. Because back then you couldn't learn SEO in college. You couldn't learn it anywhere besides just reading what other people would post on forums. So there's there's no such thing as a degree in SEO or a certification and it it didn't exist back then so it was like the wild west and i loved that because we we got to do all kinds of new stuff we had to test stuff we failed a lot but we had some huge clients dell alpha graphics miss fields cookies just gigantic international companies came to us Number one, because we had the name that defined the industry. The industry of SEO is, is a huge industry in the marketing world. 
and it just stands for search engine optimization. And it's been around for quite a while, but we we owned that domain, seo.com. And back then, I think we had to buy it for several million dollars back then, but it was worth it because people would search for SEO and they'd sometimes just type in seo.com just to, to see what was there. And that's how we got half of our clients at first. People just typing in the name of our domain name. I loved being able to be in that environment where we had to kind of make things up as we went. It was a huge opportunity for me. And I will be forever grateful for the guy who hired me straight out of college, no experience in it, and just like gave me a shot, basically. And then I guess skills from there is kind of how you graduated into running uh, Twerk Media. Exactly. How can you tell if someone is a geek? Usually it's just based on what they end up talking about after the first five minutes chatting with them. If they're a geek about anything, it's going to come up in that first five minutes. Guaranteed. You kind of geeked out about that um, weed killer <laughs> a, little <laughs> while, a little while ago. So would, would you be like a, like, a, like a lawn geek if it came to that? Would you I call mean, you my lawn doesn't look like I'm a, a lawn geek, but I, I'm constantly thinking about it. I'm out there like trimming things with the scissors and like- Oh my gosh. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm hardcore, but it, my lawn doesn't look like it. That's the weird thing. It's a, you know what though? I, I, uh, it's, it, you aspire to it. That's your, that's your Elysium, I guess. I mean, you just, you want, one a day you want it to be the envy of everybody. I eh, ain't nothing wrong with that, man. All <laughs> right. So if, if you could teach any grade or subject, what would it be? I'd teach third grade math. I remember when both my kids were going through third grade math and that those were the, the best times I had with my kids because that's really starting to get into a little bit advanced multiplication and division and fractions. Yeah, it's a little bit of fractions in there. Yeah. Moving beyond plus and minus and getting into just a little bit more advanced stuff. I've always liked math and it's always come easy to me running a business, thinking about money in general, you have to know math, how it works. And money follows the same that math does. You have to spend less than you make. You have to actually spend money to make money. And you have to you have to save money. You have to invest. Like all these rules about money is, is very similar to how I look at math. All the rules about how math works, it's all it all works based off of these laws that never change. And, and that's what I love about math. You can just count on it. It's never going to change. Two plus two is never going to equal five, no matter what some of the media might say. It's always going to be the same exact answer. What fashion trend do you just not get? Uh, pretty much all of them. I'm sitting right now in a t-shirt and sweatpants, and this has been what I wear for the last 15 years. My wife will buy me clothes, and it'll be updated fashion, apparently. And my kids, they don't care what they wear either. When I was in high school, Jenkos and the big, huge bell-bottom pants, the jeans. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Those were big time. Skater. The pockets. Yeah, big oversized skater kind of jeans. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was the last time I cared about fashion or knew anything about it. Well, wait, wait, wait. So how did you get all these like modeling pictures that I seen of you? Like you were like in suits and all reflected and looking up like this. Like where did that come from? That was just a, a personal goal of mine to, I, I'd always wanted to see if I could do modeling just because on a whim, basically people have been telling me almost since I was in high school, people have been telling me I look a lot like Tom Cruise in a certain light, certain angle. And 
I don't really care for him as a human being, but he does have a very striking look. And a lot of women are very into him just because of the way he looks and acts. And so I thought, you know, what if I could do some modeling and see where that takes me? And so I tried it for a little bit and it took me nowhere. And that was that. Well, I mean, if you're going to show up in a T-shirt and jogging pants, that's what's going to happen. But, you know, <laughs> unless, <laughs> unless they're like um, P. Diddy or, or, or Yeezy Jones, you can you can uh, put out put on then maybe you can get away with it. But. I don't think that's popping in Utah. So I guess that's, I mean, you know, you, you went on to bigger and better things. I don't know too many models with six businesses. So not to worry. If you were a wicked tyrant, what, what country would you rule? Probably Switzerland. Yeah, they that, need to that's talk. where they keep all the money. It's a good idea. And they're way too quiet about it too. We don't take sides. Yeah. They, oh, need, yeah. they need a tyrant, I think for a little bit. What's the lowest grade you've ever been given and what class was it for? C minus statistics. Mm. That kicked my butt. Statistics, huh? I want you to list the six businesses that you run. And, and you know, that's kind of like you're a sixaholic because you got six businesses. <laughs> but uh, tell us the six businesses and, uh, you know, because we're going to talk about like the giveaway and all that. But just, just name them for so people can get an idea of why you are allowed to sit home in a T-shirt and jogging pants all day. You're running six businesses. You're not just slacking off and eating bonbons. Well, I do eat Nutella every single day, not bonbons. Just set the record straight. In a sandwich or just a straight from the spoon? Just I'm straight out of the jar. Yeah, yeah, I do that too. But that, that gives me a good chocolate fix. That's probably why the dad bod is, is pretty glorious on me. But uh, That's exactly how you build a dad bod. It's <laughs> Nutella body by Adam and Jason. Yeah, yep. fueled by Nutella. Yep. yep. And that's, that should be your pre-workout. The uh, a Nutella flavored uh, pre workout probably be something. All right, go, let, let's hear your six businesses. First one, Torque Media. That was the first one I ever started. It's a digital publishing and marketing agency. I own 120 online properties that are generating a couple million page views a month, and it generates money from advertising. So it's really basic and simple. It, I have partners in that company. I have partners in all of my companies. That's one of my I guess secrets, but it's really not that hard. You just find people that you trust and that you know do a good job at what you bring them on for and incentivize them well, and they do it. Anyway, so there's Torque Media. Then I own a solar panel farm in Bakersfield, California. I have a partner in that, and all I did was finance it, and my partner built it. And he also built a relationship with the company that we sell the power to, and we don't do anything with it anymore. So it just, we get a monthly check for the amount of solar power that we generate for that company. So that, that's my second one. That's my favorite one of all time, as far as the operation goes, because I could scale it up even more if I put more money into it and it would double profits. And it's it's like a 30 year lease on that thing. So it, so you don't have to create any more infrastructure, really. It's just dump a little bit more money in, ramp up the, you know, scale just by throwing money at it, which is a rare yeah. thing. Yeah. I'm a little jelly. Then I've got two other businesses that are kind of complementary to each other. And this is, this is uh, what I'm going to do for the giveaway for the show. But right. one, of the, one of the businesses is I sell sports cards on eBay. I have a relationship with a sports card store down in the city close to where I live, but they just sell these cards and, and I acquire them from eBay and from other people local. So I go to card shows and I'll buy cards sometimes, but then I own another business that's complementary to that. It's, it's a card grading company. 
So this is the Michael Jordan rookie card that I'm going to be giving away. This exact one. It's a graded eight Jordan rookie reprint. It's the 1986 Fleer Michael Jordan rookie card. And you can see it's got the grade of eight right here. My company is the one that put this in the slab. It's called SNC Grading. I don't know if that's backwards or not, but SNC Grading, we, we grade the sports cards. And, and I can talk about the, the details of that later on. So that's four companies so far. And then my other company is a, a pre-workout drink called Nanohydrate. I should have brought one up here with me, but it's just a, it's a, a little four-ounce shooter bottle, kind of like a five-hour energy. And we sell it at uh, gas stations, online. We've got a relationship with a couple of hundred store chains here in Utah and the Western United States. It's just and it's just sold on the energy drink aisle in in the stores. And you're gonna get the Nutella flavor out soon, right? And send me some. Yeah, guaranteed. That's coming. <laughs> if I have anything to do with it, the sixth and final business is just it's a white label manufacturing company, for lack of a better term. So we're we're really just a broker of products. Somebody else makes the product. We slap a label on it, put like a dollar extra on the price, and then sell it to like a third party, like a, a grocery store chain, some, some other distribution outlet. So that was one of the j kind of JV deals you came up with where you just could market this thing. And it was, is that how that came about? Cause it didn't, in because the of what, oh, what, what we did with nanohydrate. So the okay. relationships that we built getting nanohydrate into the stores and the gas stations, it allowed us to meet a lot of manufacturing facilities who were making lots of products, but they didn't know how to market them. And we then we had relationships with all those stores. And so we, when you have a relationship with a store chain, that's huge because they get pitched hundreds of products every day that they have to decide whether they switch it out with one of their 23,000 other products. That, that shelf space in those stores is worth gold. And so when they are working with vendors like us that have a product that sells really well, they'll take other products from us because they already know us and trust. So do you even have that on your radar for the future? Like it worked once. Okay, you you um you forged the path, you got shelf space. Now you have a model where you've been able to take someone else's product and get a little shelf space off of your, you know, leverage the shelf space you might already have, a little faith and get some more shelf space. Do you ever plan on taking that like a little bit to the next level and just try and find more products you can kind of do that with? Is that is that the yeah, plan? That's one of the things I, I don't spend a whole lot of time on it because those deals, again, I have a partner in that company. He's the one out there making relationships with manufacturers and other inventors and designers and, and, and those people. But all I have to do, I don't really have to do anything for that one either. And I just make a small percentage from every single product that we sell. So it's very much commission-based. And so if I do want to ramp it up and scale it, I definitely could. Yeah, kind of, at this point, that's probably the lowest of my priorities. Okay, so I made, I made well, I, I wanted you to go through this so that we could explain, first of all, the passion, which is, you know, after our conversations is definitely more about the, uh, the cards. And, you know, that's like the fun thing you do. And this link that I'm showing on the screen is your calendar and i just wanted you to go through that so that people who would call in would know if you have a business they could consult with you on just a variety of things you know digital media i, I would think your strengths are digital media i would say collectibles and you know maybe talking about you know products and shelf space so that they knew that 
oh, I, you know, I want to win this card or whatever, but like talking to you, they would get some value out of it. And, and you also mentioned that you just like to hear people's stories too, and kind of see if there is a way that you can help them because you like thinking of these problems outside the box. So I wanted you to explain it on your own words, but I just wanted to put that out there so that if people did call you, whether right away or, you know, in the future for this opportunity, it would not be a wasted call, even if you didn't, you know, they didn't win the card, like somebody else won the card, you could still call you for this reason. So I want you to kind of like present that the way you said it, because you said it so much better than me. I just wanted to introduce that idea. So kind of like with how you and I first connected on Lunch Club, I have so many different interests and desires and capabilities that I can leverage in so a variety of different situations. If you're a, a business owner right now and you're wondering if it'd be worth chatting with me, I can tell you right now, I can take about five minutes and figure out if you're being effective with your online marketing. I don't need to sell you anything. I could still point out things you could do to increase your efficiency with that. I, I could easily come in and help do that if, if you need somebody to take, take over some of the marketing. But that's not really my desire. And if you're a, a larger company, you know, you've got you got products on shelves, you got a big brand and, you know, you're you've got disposable income and you're thinking about maybe getting into collectibles, sports cards or NFTs or crypto, what, whatever the case may be. I spend a lot of time in those that world right now, and I love talking to other people about what they're doing with preparing themselves for the future, what assets they're acquiring, what deals they're doing. I love doing joint ventures with people who have a little bit of money to spend, put some skin in the game. And that, that that's how I, I got access to the card grading company. He needed some cash and I needed a way to grade my cards. So it was a really mutually beneficial situation for us. And I, I've got to imagine there are so many ways that it'd be possible to make money with anybody who wants to chat with me for about 10 minutes. There's that That's kind of what I think whenever I go into a situation. I think there's always ways that we can make money together or help each other make more money or introduce each other to a person that can help us make money. So and either way, I think there's always a path to make ourselves better and having more connections is always, always valuable. That's, that's good stuff there. So you said NFT. So how have you produced any um, yet? Or are you just kind of like still on the, is it too, exp you know, I, personally, I haven't done it yet because um, Ethereum gas fees are still too crazy high to just be dabbling and not having a name out there to possibly sell something. But I'm just curious as to if you're getting into NFTs, are you doing it from the producer standpoint or the collector standpoint? I'm coming from a collector standpoint. Okay. So I started with NBA Top Shot. That was the one, I think that was one of the very first ways you could use NFT protocol. And that was just buying little video clips of NBA moments from I think 2020, maybe 2019. Anyway, they don't go back any further than that. And I, I think I bought probably 10, 10 of them. And I'm just watching what it does. And I'm still not 100% sold on that as a future asset that's going to hold lots of value for a long time. But in the short term, it's really interesting how many people signed up for it, how much money is spent on it. We're talking like almost a billion dollars in the last year and a half. 
on NFTs collectively. That just kind of, that blows my mind. Uh, yeah. Well, for those of you who don't know, NFTs, non-fungible tokens, look them up. If you're going to ever collect anything in the future, you should probably know about them because they're pretty big deal. Um, and they're still just still like the beginning of them. Um, they can be expensive to produce, but to, and to collect, but you should get to know them because, uh, there, I have seen some really cool things come from that space i just like art i just don't know what to make of them yet the true value of it is really what somebody will pay for that and some people will pay a lot of money for something that you would be like what <laughs> but isn't that art in the beginning like you would say the right. same thing so that's why it's kind of like a kind of a crazy industry but very exciting to watch at least if you want to burn some money then yeah jump in but uh you should be aware of it anyway so um this is a dad show so as a dad what's your daily routine look like well i always take care of myself first first thing i do when i get up i set my intention for the day and for me that means saying a prayer to god i'm i'm a very spiritual religious person i'm a christian i'm also a member of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints otherwise known as mormons i live in utah and so i some people call it meditation some people call it setting their intention other people call it prayer i think it's all the same thing being grateful and thinking about the things that i have that God has blessed me with, and then making a fairly good mental image of what I want to accomplish that day, and just telling that to God, and then spending time studying scriptures and or other smart people's works. Like I'm reading a book by Chris Boss right now called Never Split the Difference. It's a book on negotiating. I got a joke about that. You know how he has master class? Um, he has a yep. he has a master class on that, right? So they were running this holiday special where they were doing like two for one master class and they were doing never split the difference and i had to be that guy so i went on and i was like it was like half off the chris voss never split the difference and i you know negotiation class i had it i commented in the thing i was like wouldn't that be dot 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 splitting the difference and i just left it there and like all these people you know got a lot of like response from that on the ad just from that because i was just like you know come on dude <laughs> like don't you watch this kind of stuff but anyway that was just my little my little dad joke I threw in on there. He probably didn't appreciate that. He probably hates me. He probably unliked all my posts, but he or he doesn't know who I am. It doesn't matter. But I just thought it was funny because you brought him up. I think that was spot on. <laughs> you're you're a good social media commentator. Back to your routine. <laughs> so yeah, after I I set my mind right, then I go out and a quick walk with the dog. And then come back and do an hour workout in the basement. I used to go to a gym, but I could I never could find a way to get my mindset fully uh, invested in just what I was trying to do. I'd find myself checking out other women or comparing myself to other dudes, and I never measured up one way or the other. And so I decided to bring it all back home and, and created a home gym. And this was before the pandemic and everything. I've been doing at-home workouts for a little over two years. And that's, that's been way, way much better for my, my own personal mindset about myself and my, my worth and value and whatnot. Anyway, once I'm done with all that, that's about the time my kids wake up. My wife and I make sure that they've got their agenda set for the day. So we have them do their dailies. It's what we call them. So they have to read, they have to play their instrument. They have to spend time doing a chore and this that they can't do anything on screens until they've done all those things. And then we make sure that they have things to do throughout the day, whether we're doing it as a family or whether they're doing it with friends or whether they get to have alone time. It's just we try and keep it as structured as we can 
while giving them the freedom to choose what they want to do within those boundaries. Our 14 year old has a job that he's got several different things he can do to make money. And he's still trying to figure out how to be a self-starter and motivate himself to go do that. So I, I'll tell him, you know, he can come work for me doing this thing. I pay him to do that. And my 10 year old daughter, she she's in a lot of uh, dance classes. So that takes up a lot of her time as well. But we're, we're really, really involved in everything that they're doing. And I've been married 16 years to the same woman. There's no way that we could keep this going all together without her. She's the one that's made it possible. And I'm a recovering addict too, by the way. So I've been, I'm five years sober. It, it nearly destroyed our marriage, but every year that goes by that I get to stay sober, the more and more I realize the kind of blessing and miracle it was that I was able to marry somebody like that in the first place. The person who keeps it all together and makes it so that it works and we all continue to love each other every day still is my wife. I can tell, by the way, you know, your tone, like how grateful you are. Like, you know, I just got that from you. That's really cool that um, you can express it that way. What's your best dad life look like? You know, your work, you work maybe, you know, during the week and they have, they're off for the summer. So you have them doing activities, but like, you know, like an ideal day with the kids and the wife and like, what does that, like, what does that look like for you? I'd say having the ability to spend time with the whole family together for at least an hour in a day is my goal. And it doesn't really matter what it is that we're doing together, whether we watch a movie or go hang out at a friend's house or go to the pool or play a game. We just need to spend that time together doing something where we interact with each other that we, that we all like to do. And then beyond that, I make sure that I spend time with my wife, again, doing something that involves her. For us right now, we're actually watching Star Trek Next Generation episodes. We're both fairly geeky on that kind of stuff. That's you and her, or you and the kids too and her? Just us, me and her. That's y'all thing, okay. So we try and spend time alone together every day if we can. And and then if possible, I try and do one-on-one time with each of my kids for a little bit of time each day. And then outside of that, I'm doing work on everything I can possibly think of. Work outside in the yard, which helps me think about things I want to do in the business. And then I come back inside and get on the computer. And so I'm really kind of going from one thing to the next. And I love it. Having things to do, having phone calls scheduled, time with my family and just having things lined up. I hate being bored. And it's it's easy for me to get in that mindset. That's one of the things that I have to watch out for and try and really uh, prepare my mind for is that that boredom that kind of tries to creep in if I don't have something specific to do lined up every single hour. So that, that's one of my character weaknesses, I guess you could say. First, I'm going to ask this one part, and then that what you just said will probably play into the second part. So what would you say your dad's superpower is that you do better? That's your domain. You feel like that's, that's your, uh, you're the ace at that. What would you say that was? I'd say it's being productive and helping those around me be productive. Okay. The other side of that coin is what's your dad kryptonite? I heard you say you don't want to be bored. And what I took from that in your, because of you, what you shared about addiction is when you're bored, that probably creeps in too, because you're bored and you do some, sometimes you do like silly self-destructive things like overeat or something else to make up for that. Cause I have that problem too. Like I'll, when I'm bored, I'll just start munching on stuff while I'm thinking. And it's just like, uh, is that, would that be accurate? Am I assuming too much by, by yeah. saying that? Yeah. Overeating is definitely something I struggle with like on a daily basis, but the, the underlying issue for me 
recognizing that I still have value as a, as a human and as a father, even if I'm not actively doing something to prove it. It's almost like an insecurity. Like if you're not doing that stuff, are you really yeah. a dad? Exactly. But you have to just decide, yes, I am. It doesn't matter if I'm reading the newspaper, taking a nap or whatever, I'm still a dad. We all get angry at our kids and we all express it at different ways. What do they do that might make you angry? And then like, how do you handle it? My daughter, it's easy for her to push my button. She's on the spectrum. She's exactly like me in a lot of ways. When she decides she wants to go do something, she's going to do it. And if she decides she doesn't want to do something, nothing is going to change her mind. Even if she's done it in the past and she's been just fine with it, for instance, she has a real hard time eating good food. And so if she decides one day that she doesn't like cheese, there's nothing you can do to get her to eat cheese of any kind, even though she liked it yesterday, but now it's the most disgusting thing in the world. So food and keeping our kids in good health for her, that's one of the biggest things that gets me riled up and angry and very impatient because I, I don't understand how how her brain works when it comes to food specifically. My son, on the other hand, he he's one of the most gentle, kind, humble, patient human beings that I know. So he's a lot like my wife. And we ask him to do something, he just goes and does it. No questions, no arguments. We want him to eat some new food. Yeah, sure, bring it on. It's like nothing phases him. So really, I get angry at him if for some weird, crazy reason, he talks back slightly. That is enough to make me angry at him because the bar is so much higher in his normal daily life. The way he acts is so good most of the time that when he's not a good kid, I'm like, what? And I just instantly get really angry at him for like super small thing. And so how do you handle that with um, with either of them, I guess? Uh... Well, it's it's a struggle and I'm, I'm still working on it. And it's really just coming down to understanding myself a little bit better and being willing to learn how to work with their needs. Do you ever um, ask for forgiveness when you know you're wrong? Yeah, all the time. And, and I ask for forgiveness from a lot of people, not just from my family. But that's one of the things that I learned in addiction recovery. Step nine is make amends and seek forgiveness and try and reverse the wrongs that you made. And it it's not, so the 12-step the program that I live is part of my life. And it's not just isolated to addiction-related things. It's literally changed the way that I operate in all, everything, business, personal relationships, family. And so I, I, I use those principles that I learned in addiction recovery all the time. And that's really been a huge help in fixing the way that I interact with my kids, with my wife, everything. Good stuff, man. So what's uh, what's one strange, weird, funny thing people most people don't know about you, other than the clown dad? I brought up the fact that uh, people used to think I looked like Tom Cruise when I was younger. And I, I think at the right angle, and if I have my sunglasses on, I can still pull it off a little bit. I used to go into restaurants and claim that I was his stunt double. And ask for the celebrity discount and people will give it to me on a regular basis. Nice. I've, I've seen, I've had friends at a friend that looked like Andre Agassi at spring break. And we, we pretended like so many people were stopping them because at spring break, you know, they have all the celebrities anyway. Right. So 
people were just like, I guess, yeah. So we pretended we were like bodyguards just to play it up and just push people away. Like, no, nah, he doesn't want autographs. And that was what was happening. He was getting, getting free stuff. Um, I, I, to that, I would say, if you look like anybody semi-famous, you should get like your wife or somebody close to you to play along one day and go out on the town, rent a limo, rent a photographer and a couple of bodyguards and just play it up and see what happens. And you would have the most fun in your life because that experience taught me that with just a little bit of, of balls to just act like it, most people will go with it and you'll have the best time of your life. So you might as well, right? If you look, if you, if you look like somebody, take a chance and see what happens. I mean, you know, I almost convinced my wife to do it, but she just never would do it because she looked like Eva Mendez. I don't know if you know that actress, but I do. people have stopped her for it. So I was like, we, we just need to do that one day, but she's, she's not the type to go along with that kind of stuff. But if I was friends with you and we were together, I would convince you to do that. So just know that if we, if we, we were in the same proximity, I would have been like, yeah, you need to do that. So anyway. All right. So what's, um, what's one question that you wish people would ask you, but they never do. I, I wish people would ask me how to develop a relationship with God such that it strengthens all their other relationships. I think that's a very misunderstood concept, even in religion. Any religion, I don't care what it is. There, the, the relationship that you develop with your higher power, whatever that is, has the capacity to make you such a better human being in every way. It's a great question, but how would anybody think to ask you that? And why I say that is because talking to you and meeting you, like you wouldn't know that about you. Not that you would assume that it wasn't you, but like, how would that conversation come up for someone to ask you that? You know, if you were in the pulpit or if you had like a high social media presence and you put that out there one out of every 10 posts, then I could see. But is, is that something you do? Because it is actually. I'm okay. talking about it. When I, whenever I bring up my addiction recovery. Okay which I literally do to every single new person I ever meet. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It's always a topic that I bring up first time I meet someone. And whenever I do, the conversation almost always turns to a deeper, more spiritual setting. And and that's how I found that I develop better relationships with people is because I kind of get to the, the deeper, more meaning of life type of stuff. Because those are the type of people I want to do business with. I don't want to do business with superficial people who only care about looks, because that means that there's uh, an inner problem of some kind that they really haven't dealt with in their life. You did. You did. Uh, when we first met, you did mention that. And I, and I hit you with my my hundred kids idea, too. So that's probably the other reason why we vibed out and kind of got along quickly. Uh, or I like to assume so since you're on the show. Yep. <laughs> you can feel how you feel about me on your own time, buddy. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, uh, here's another question I like to ask people, um, especially in business. You happen to be a part of like any mastermind groups or anything like that? No, I've I've been approached by lots of people to be in this one or that one. I, and I've never been at one, but I've always wondered what what the benefit is. Talk to you about it later, but you can come to a guest on one of ours, because we actually do that and see for yourself, because at the end of the day, what I find is I'm like, I'm like kind of like in four right now, facilitating two, facilitating two, and I'm participating in two. One's like a dad group. Two of them are dad entrepreneur, Christian dad entrepreneur groups. 
So one of them is a, t- a Christian dad entrepreneur group. One is just a dad entrepreneur group. And the other two are ma- like business mastermind, kind of a broader thing, not specifically Christian or dad. Yeah, I'll talk to you about that later just because it's free to try out anyway. So why not, right? See if you cool. like it. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm surprised because of how much you've done that you said that because normally people of a higher level do get some kind of coaching or mastermind in them because it just accelerates their growth. But I'm not saying it can't be done without that. I'm just saying it's, eh, I guess, like I said, everybody's path is different, but um, more, I'd be more than happy to, like I said, invite you and have you as a guest at, at one of the many, because <laughs> I think everybody would be like, yeah, sure. Bring them in. Last question. What's a dad stereotype you don't feel like you fit into? And to give you an example, one you do is kind of like loving the lawn, right? Like you kind of put that out there. You were, you were deep. Like there was just, you know, that's a dad thing. Like thinking about your lawn. Some, for some dads, it's like, Hey, I got to have the new balance sneakers. I got to be the king of the grill. I got to be Mr. Handyman. But then there's like, like for me, like I can fix things, but it's just, it's, I I don't love it. Right. (laughs) Is there anything like one of those, a dad should be this kind of things that you're like, that's totally not me. I'm not, you know, I reject that. Like, is there any like of those that kind of come to mind and say, oh, yeah, that's as a dad, that is definitely not me. Um, Any of those kind of ring a bell? Yep. I would have to say that I'm not the dad that can fix things. I can change a light bulb and screw in a screw. And that's the extent of what I even attempt to do. I'd much rather pay somebody else that knows what they're doing. If I were to try and do it, it would take three times as long and I could make way more money using that time. And I'd rather pay that person, you know, whatever their hourly rate is, because it's just to me the the time spent learning how to do it and then doing it, I could be spending doing so many other things. So it's easy to justify not ever trying. My dad never showed me how to do any of that stuff either, be, you know, being a clown. So I'm not I'm not making an excuse or anything because he, he did his best with what he knew how to do. But that's definitely a chore that I hand off to somebody else for sure. So I think so for that, I say, I think that's all entrepreneurs. So with me, I do know how to fix a lot of things, right? Because I was a firefighter. You learn, you figure out things and I'm a tinkerer, but I like to do it on my time and in my way and not have like a clock or somebody over my shoulder telling me how to do it. Two things. Number one, like you said, faster and easier to pay someone else. Why? Because it's taken up room in my brain that I could be using, I could be on a phone call with a client or doing something, a, a higher, a more profitable activity and paying somebody who really loves to do that kind of stuff to do it. Not that I'm lazy. It's just that I'll give you an example, my lawn, right? I used to like agonize over cutting my lawn, not just, I got to go get gas. I got to make sure the blade is sharp. I got to make sure like the, the grass is not this high enough or not too high that it's not raining all these things. And it used to piss me off. And I just used to think about it too much. And I, my neighbors, this and that until I paid someone to do it. And it was just like, it was so much better because I didn't have to think about it anymore. Nobody could yell at me about it. I didn't get whacked in the ankles with rocks or the weed whacker. All these other things went away when I just simply paid somebody for it. it was already in the neighborhood, already doing it. He was, you know, economy of scale. He already had the machine out. And I was just like, I felt good because I'm helping a guy do the business. For him, he loves to do that. For me, I hate to do that. Why do I? Why am I spending any time trying to do anything I hate? And that's what it was for me. Not so much I can't do it. It's just I don't want to. Or if I do it, I just don't want to be like pressed to do it. I want to do it because I want to do it, not because I have to do it. You know what I mean? So that yeah, that was cool. Cool. 
You got any like last best piece of advice, a dad entrepreneur kind of maybe starting out a guy who wants to start a contracting business and maybe he wants to do like some very low cost marketing to get his business out there. What, like, what would you start a guy like and just say, Hey, just do these couple things. Yeah. For any local service businesses, those are probably the easiest to start up with low costs. And there's a service called Google my business. Yeah. It's free and it's connected to your Gmail account already. If you have Gmail or any Google product, you already have this. And if you spend a little bit of time researching how to set that up, that'll be the most valuable time you could possibly spend promoting yourself for a local service-based business of any kind. I forgot that I did that, but then I had to turn it off and then they keep calling me. Do you still want to Google your business? I'm like, ah, but yeah, once, once you turn it on, it never goes away until you like actually have to shoot it. <laughs> yep. You will get calls guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, because your dad is a clown, I have high expectations from you. You ready for that dad joke? When you're in the shower, we all sing in the shower, right? Singing in the shower is fun until you get soap in your mouth. Then it's a soap opera. Ah, ha, ha, ha. a little bit of high level there. Does it? Did you did, did you hit your kids with that one at all ever? No, I saved that one just for you guys. My kids have never heard that because I do not tell dad jokes to my children. I I got so many of them growing up. That's all my dad talked was in jokes. You're denying them the core function of being a dad. The dad joke torture is like essential. I invite my brother-in-laws over to do all that for me. Oh, the uncle jokes. Yeah. They can get they can get away with risque things, and you can't really control it because, like, what do you do? Put them in a headlock in front of your kids? What I mean? Yeah, I am. I am a little bit more in shape than my brother-in-laws. It's true. <laughs> so the so the the threat of physical violence is still there to keep them in line. I got you. How would you want to leave your mark on the world if anybody took anything away from this conversation? And they said, Adam, like that guy did this or gave me this feeling. Like, how do you want to leave your mark to everybody that you meet? Uh, I would say that they can count on me doing exactly what I say I'm going to do. No matter what it is, it's going to happen. Got it. That's good. Hey, all you entrepreneurs and dadpreneurs. I just wanted to say thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the YouTube channel for past episodes. Show me some love on Facebook and Instagram. And if you really want to be a guest on my show, no problem. Just email the dadnextdoortv at gmail.com and we'll take care of you. All the information you need is on the show notes of this episode. This is Jason, a.k.a. The Dad Next Door, signing out. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.